This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic Stay tonight. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today, once again, I'm delighted to be joined by Stevie Mullen. Welcome back to the studio, Stevie. Thanks for having me, Paul. Good afternoon. Well, it's always a pleasure to see you at uh, uh, State of Mind Studios, Stevie. And it's the day after another victory, it's got to be said. Um, I think I was talking to you previously about um, did Lenny get it right? Well, if you win the game, you've got it right. But it wasn't a very inspiring performance, was it? No, it's, I, I think we could we need to go back to Saturday and compare both games. The lineups changed. I thought we'd done quite well on Saturday. Great 5-0 victory in a difficult place. But to make four changes from that, you know, and one of the comments that Neil made prior to the game was he was wanting to inject a bit of pace. Mm. As somebody in the house who's never seen them run, I'd love to know how fast Greg Taylor could run against Jeremy Frimpong. You know, so I, I, I didn't see any pace brought into the team last night that would inject a bit of enthusiasm into us because I thought we were very laborious last night. 
It was laboured. It definitely was laboured. I mean, I was watching the game and I, I made the comment last night again, Stevie, in relation to the the performance against Kilmarnock where you are playing against packed defences, but should it even be a complaint? Because you're going to come up against a lot of teams that will play like that. In fact, on Saturday against Livingston, we'll face that again. The, the key factor on Saturday will be the fact that we're playing at Celtic Park and we've got the, the wide... Uh, wings to use, which we'll use effectively, and we were able to overcome Hamilton, um, who, you know, play a defensive game. Kilmarnock played defensively at Rugby Park, and I expected St. Mirren to do the same, and they did. So you're looking at that, the, the actual, um, the second half, and you're thinking, right, how are we going to break them down? And it's going to come down to a moment of creative brilliance uh, or a good delivery. And the good deliveries, unfortunately, for some reason, dried up at half-time from Ryan Christie. I was very complimentary about him at half-time and then he reverted back to the deliveries ending up out the pitch. So, yeah, we're going to come up against that a lot though, Stephen. I think that's why the lead question that I'm running with today, should Neil Lennon bring Paddy Roberts back to Celtic Park? Now, I've mentioned Paddy time and time again on this podcast to the point where people are telling me to get over Paddy Roberts. I still see him as a viable target. What's your thoughts on that? I know we've got a lot of creativity already, would Paddy do anything to unlock defences like St Mirren last night? Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I, I think if you're looking at last night's performance, and we'll take that in isolation, me, myself and some of the other guys who come on to the show stick up for Greg Taylor as much as we possibly can. Greg Taylor's a £2 million player. Paddy Roberts would be a £2 million player if he came to Celtic. Greg Taylor last night, I didn't see him create one chance. I didn't see him put one cross on. Every time he got the ball, he either turned back or turned defensively or the ball was flying over his head for Shane Duffy passes. Put Paddy Roberts in that situation, he's going to take defenders out of the game because mm-hmm. if he goes by one, he's going to draw guys out of the middle. I think if Paddy Roberts was available at that sort of money, I think it's a no-brainer. I think we need to get away the £12 million player He's not coming to us as a £12 million player. He'd be coming as a £2 million player with comparable wages that I think would be a much better option than, for example, some of the guys you were talking about yesterday, like Tom Rogic. I mm-hmm. would have rather mm-hmm. Paddy on that money who's going to provide something than Tom who doesn't provide anything currently. Yeah, and again, we had that discussion, and I know that you tune in, Stevie, the, the discussion being we've got a couple of players who you regard as first-team players because they've been part and parcel with the team for so long now in Lee Griffiths and Tom Rogic. Isn't it about time that we had them in a jersey? Isn't it about time that they were earning the wages? Or is it time that the wages were put elsewhere? And I think when you're looking at Paddy Roberts, I, I, I see Paddy, and I'm going to come to some of the points that are coming through, I do see him as a creative player. I think what he found at Celtic, particularly in his first spell, although his second spell did, was hampered by injury, um, as a club that, that fitted him, he fitted Celtic and Celtic suited him as well. He's tried various other clubs, uh, Girona, Middlesbrough, Norwich. It's not really worked out for him at any of those three clubs. He's never going to break into the Man City team. I, I think from a career perspective, it would be a good move for him. I think we can give him a platform that would allow him even to move on in three years. And he would have far more options at that stage if he comes to us and he plays European football in a winning side. The the reaction that I'm going to get, I think, will be mixed. And I will have a look at the comments and, and read as many of them out as possible. I think it will be mixed because people are maybe looking at the, the Celtic side at the moment 
and uh, focusing on, for example, one of the players we've spoken about, Greg Taylor. Yeah, we do need, we certainly need a new left back, be that for cover or, or as a first choice. But I also think there's room for another creative player, especially when you see last night Forrest, um, who scored the winning goal, and I'm going to speak about Forrest as well because he, he takes a lot of sticks. So when he's scoring winning goals, we've got to mention that. And normally I would expect to see on the other side someone like Christie crafting chances. He set up the two goals. I don't, I don't think that's his ideal position. Um, I don't really know what Ryan Christie wants out of Celtic at the moment if he's still viewing a move as his best option. And I think Paddy Roberts comes in and gives us another option on either wing, which is important. He can he can switch, just like Forrest. I think you get something else that maybe we haven't considered in the other teams that he's been on loan to. If he comes to Celtic, he's going to be in a team that's got at least 70% possession in most of the domestic games. So his avenue for getting the ball, the amount of times he'll be on the ball, is going to increase greatly for these other clubs as well, who maybe gets on the ball three, four times in the whole match. And he's got to try and create something in each and one of them, or he'll be viewed as their spectators and their management team as he wasn't productive today. Mm-hmm. So if he creates three or four chances out of 25 for Celtic, then he's going to be able to do that. He's got that ability. There's no doubt the boy's a talented player. Yeah, you also look at the possession Celtic have, Steve. You look at the game last night, it was almost exclusively in the last third of the pitch. Celtic trying to break down a pack defence constantly. He's the type of guy, as you say, who can thrive in that environment. He's maybe not been in that environment since he left Celtic last time round. So when we're looking at, for example, a striker coming to Celtic like Scott McDonald from Motherwell, who domestically was a decent enough striker. He ended up scoring 32 goals one season. We're going to give him a platform and an opportunity to thrive at what he's good at. And it's not as though we're looking at a player who did well for us when he was 23 and he's now 29. You know, he, he was a massive name as a teenage um, player. He done, he done well for us when he was in his early 20s. He can come back now and actually start rebuilding his career. If he can hold the position for white guys... When you're going to be playing against the formations that we've played against this whole season, mm-hmm. you've got to be really disciplined as your wide guy to stay wide because you want to come in and take a defender inside with you. You can't do that. You need your centre forward to come out a wee bit to bring guys out the middle. You can't have your midfielders going in too early. Mm-hmm. I think Paddy Roberts would have that discipline because he wants to trick by a guy. He's no a winger who wants to play centre forward. It's even last night... We didn't look particularly balanced on the left-hand side of the park last night mm-hmm. with Callum McGregor and Greg Taylor. Callum's coming in more and more into the centre, even towards the end of the game. Greg Taylor's starting to come in a wee bit and you're thinking, is he a natural left-back? Has he started in his career as a winger, as a midfielder? Because he didn't seem comfortable because he wasn't creating anything. So then he was coming in to try and get involved in the game. You know, uh, what I like to do is I like to throw out the question and then have a look to see what people are thinking out there, Steve. And we've, you know, we've got literally hundreds of people commenting on these broadcasts every day, which is brilliant. Before I go and do that, there's a couple of wee points that we, that we like to make because we try and engage as much as possible on Twitter as well. And, you know, you do some great work at St. Rocks that we've spoken about with Rock Talk. And you and I had a great discussion before we came on air about mental health and how, you know, even day-to-day on a normal basis, it's something we need to... Uh, continually uh, view as something that someone might be suffering at your workplace or in your home or 
And and what we need to do is to talk about it. You know, uh, there's some great initiatives out there, Rock Talk being one of them. We've both got our Time to Tackle books here as well, Aaron Conley, uh, which you kindly gave gave me. And, you know, we do get a lot of good feedback on that, don't we? And people who have, who have uh, been affected by suicide, for example. And we got a great comment during the week, didn't we? Yep, after we'd spoke about Suicide Prevention Day last Thursday, I was contacted through the show by Sean O'Farrell, who thanked us for speaking about suicide in the podcast. He lost his dad, Sean, to a bad mental health situation in 2003. Sean describes his dad as a Celtic fan, a big ox of a man who couldn't run away from his troubles. Mm -hmm. So this probably wouldn't be the vision that most people would have for somebody who would complete suicide. But it affects all people for all walks of life, rich, poor, working, homeless. So it's something that we need to tackle. It's something we'll bring up on the show. We won't labour the point, but just wish to Sean all the best. He thinks about his dad every day. And to reiterate to him, the illness kills your dad, Sean. Sean Senior didn't kill himself. No, you're absolutely right. It's so important. I think, Stevie, for people to realise that um, this is this is something that's invisible to a lot of people. And so many people who are suffering from depression, for example, um, anxiety, they hide it well. They've, they've taught themselves how to hide it. And even people who are very close to them, their closest, the nearest and dearest, often can't identify it. But look out for signs. Look out for signs. I mean, the big one for me is being aware of people who, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, a chap who I was close to at a stage in my life ended up um, hanging himself. And his brother did the same. And it was tragic. And it was tragic for the family. Would I ever in a million years have thought that might have happened? No chance. And it's trying to identify things like, you know, sometimes people seem aloof or they're antisocial, etc. They don't want to come out. They don't want to answer their phone even. It could be something as simple as that. There's all sort of manners I've asked this gentleman before from Rock Talk if I can share his story, although I won't give his name. Quite a successful guy in his business, but he worked alone. So he would go to work, he was in rooms, houses himself, and the isolation was bringing him down. Mm -hmm. But he had four different masks, and that's a term that comes into these conversations regularly. A mask would go up in the morning with his wife and his kid, a mask when he went into the house to maybe meet the people who owned the house. Then he would have his periods of isolation and desolation that were bringing him confidence and his moods down. Then going home and the kids were coming in for school, another mask. Mm -hmm. One for sitting watching the TV at night with the family and then the mask would come on when he's going to his bed when he'd be lying in tears. You know, so it's not all people who are unemployed or in social deprivation. This guy's bang on it. Good company, yeah. but he's covering it up by this mask. Mm -hmm. I think using that terminology, the mask as well, people can, they can put a smile on it, Stevie. So I'm not an expert on it. If anyone's watching this who's affected by um, any mental health issues whatsoever, or you're worried about somebody else, we can certainly put them in touch with the experts as well, Stevie. So we're always open to that. And we're all over social media, so you can get in touch anytime you wish. Now, I had said before, and I'm going to come to these these uh, these comments that are coming through on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. I'd asked the question, should Neil Lennon bring Paddy Roberts back to Celtic Park? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I don't think it's a deal that would be a breaker in terms of the, the finance that it would take to bring him to the club. 
And um, I think it would give us more creative options as we move into the, um, you know, the five tournaments that we're competing in this season. I also think it would open the door for Neil Lennon maybe to move on some players who are surplus-listed requirements. And I've already been speaking about Tommy Rogic this week and, and Lee Griffiths. Was there anything from the press conferences this week that uh, gave you confidence that Lee might be back in the squad at all, Stevie? I've got to be honest, Paul, when I hear you and Kevin talking, I think you've got a sanctuary for wounded animals at your houses. <laughs> Dogs with one legs and cats yep. with two ears. Or, you know, it's, you just want to keep everybody, you know, and make sure birds with broken wings and that. Sometimes we've got to just cut our losses with guys. Yeah. Lee played two games in last August and didn't reappear to January. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He missed five months of last season. Scored 11 goals in that time. Three was in the last game against, I think it was St. Mirren. Yeah. But we, we, have, we missed Lee for five months of the year last year. We've now started this season. We're going to, he's only played, played 30 minutes against the Berlin in one pre-season game mm-hmm. and not been available. We all want what's best for Lee Griffiths. When does Lee Griffiths decide what's best for Celtic and his career? Mm-hmm. Because we can't constantly always be relying on going, he's going to come back. Because the longer he's out, the harder it's going to be to come back and compete to help Celtic in this crusade for 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. I guess if I was to be given the option, Stevie, of Paddy Roberts plus a new left-back, you know, against the argument I was making during the week, Tommy Rogic and Lee Griffiths, I'd go for the, the former. I'd go for a left-back and Paddy Roberts at this moment in time. 
I would love to see somebody else. And again, if we're going to play three five two, which would be my favoured position, I would rather just have somebody who can be defensively minded mm-hmm. on the left hand side of the park. I don't think. I, well, maybe Greg Taylor would be able to do that if he wasn't expected to attack. Yeah, he can't help us in an attacking. We've got Elianusi who could play there, who could maybe do the offensive side of it. Is he going to do the defensive side? Mm-hmm. Because if, if you watch last night's game, Christopher Ayer is making the marauding runs into the centre of the park. But when you're out of position, we've got nothing on the left. You know, we've got a real vulnerability. I know Kevin was criticised a wee bit at the weekend for saying the word woeful. I think maybe just his adjective was a bit too strong. But he had the real valid points when he was explaining why he had used that. Yeah. And it's to do with the defensive frailties. And they were shown last night that, I'm not saying they're all coming from left back, but for example, John Kennedy has now been involved at Celtic for nearly 15 years in a coaching capacity. Mm-hmm. We were all saying when he came in, he's a defensive coach and we were complaining about corners, conceding goals for corners. We're looking a wee bit shaky for free kicks. Well, 15 years later, we still conceded a goal last night. It's hard to get the complete set up when you're watching on the TV because we're not allowed into the games. But when you're trying to stop it and have a wee look, it looks as if we were playing a hybrid formation defensively between zonal marking and man marking. Certainly a good delivery in the first half for their goal. But five players in the Celtic defence were taken out with one flicked on header. Mm-hmm. Ryan Christie comes off the back post and the guys get a tap in. 20 minutes later, they get their second corner from the other side of the park and they won a header. That's the problems that we sat here and identified against Hamilton Ackies when we won 5 nothing. Yeah. They've no changed. Until we set up differently or we're organised better, we're always going to have that frailty. Now, I'm not saying that's all coming for Greg Taylor, but it's something we need to target. And if we're going to be in a, a game where you're going to face more competitive players, we've got to be set up better. You know, and I heard calling last night, you know, after criticising the guys yesterday afternoon, saying about Julian's dropped in because it's a characteristic and he can't play against Big Centre Ford. Where, where did that come from? He said one and a half bad games on 4G parts against tall Centre Fords. Mm-hmm. That would be no reason to drop him last night. Well, the the big thing again, looking at the European, I, I'm now thinking of European fixtures. So you're talking about an issue there defensively. And I would be more worried when we are into the European campaign. Because you are coming up against a higher calibre of player. Of course you are. But a lot of these guys are also big, athletic, powerful, imposing centre forwards. At that level, they are. And, you know, I think some of Julian's best games for Celtic have been in Europe. Um, I think he's a commanding figure. It concerns me a wee bit that we've got Duffy, Iron and Julian and we can't command our own box. And I'm hoping that as a, as a you know, result of them Bonding, blending together and the, the goalkeeper becoming used to the, the front three because I would much prefer that myself the front three being the three centre-halves in front of the goalie then it should improve that's what I would like and the coaching aspect of it I totally agree with you I'm hoping um, that Shane Duffy's going to be that man in the middle to, to actually pull that together that's what I hope and I know he's only played a couple of games um, what was your thoughts on Duffy just on the point of centre-halves and organising that defence? If I could just answer, if we're going to be drawing up partnerships, you need to play games together. Mm-hmm. 
So we started on Saturday with Duffy, Julian and Dyer. Played him again last night. You've yeah. got to get used to how these guys play. Mm-hmm. When we started on Saturday, I've got to be honest, I was really shocked to see Duffy at the right-hand side of the three because I thought he'd have been the pivot. Mm-hmm. And again, just because, in his own words, he's a bit short. So they always tell you, if you can as a forward, take the centre-forward or the centre-half out of his comfort zone, which is wide. So that's where he was getting dragged because Frimpong on Saturday was further up the park. And on a few occasions, Shane Duffy was taking out in the middle something. Just let him sit in the middle and the other guys can do the work. Then as he plays in, we'll get where he's best suited. Might be the right side of the three, mm-hmm. but I thought he would have been the pivot with the other two guys on either side of him. Yeah. So last night, I, th- I think he's a commanding player, but when I'd made the point last week about the concentration levels, I seen something in football last night that I've never seen before, and that's very rare because usually I've seen it. We were defending 15 metres inside St Mirren's half last night mm-hmm. when we were attacking. For our second goal, and this is, like, again, it's a real bugbear in me. I like things to be disciplined. You play a position. And the lead up to our second goal, two or three central defenders were playing one-twos at the right-hand side of the St Mirren box before it goes to the other side, apart from Ryan Christie to put in. Mm-hmm. How can you defend in any game against any team when that's the occasion? We put it against Veres Varus, it's one two up the park and we're dead, we're left man in man. Yeah. We, we can't make ourselves that vulnerable. In a game like last night, when we've already shown our defensive frailties, Stevie, as you say, that one punt up the park puts us under immense pressure. You're then looking at a situation where it is a defender facing his own goalkeeper. When that happened against Veres Varos, and I'm looking at El Hamid, normally I'm quite confident with him. I was surprised that he wasn't able to deal with that. And I've said before, at one point, the ball's on his toe. He could do anything with it. He plays it back in front of the, the, the striker. So you're absolutely right. We are playing a game where we'll come away from that last night. It's 2-1. But after the, the Ross County performance, and in, in particular the result, I would have liked to have seen more of a, a balanced formation game to game. It seems as though we're changing it. And not just for changing sake, because players need to get games and players need to get time in minutes. But when someone's playing well and developing a partnership, try and hone that, try and develop it, particularly in defence. And that that's my biggest issue with last night. I'm not going to criticise Neil Lennon today. I did that the, the night the day after Ferenc Varos because I blamed Neil Lennon's team selection for the result. But uh, today I'm happy that we got the three points, but it was a lot more difficult than it should have been. I think with Neil's words, it's great three points, great three win. You back up the M8, you can go top of the league at the weekend. But I think it would be unfair to dismiss everything. Your, your own points are relevant and think everything was rose in the garden last night. Mm-hmm. I thought what was great, excuse me, was a substitute's bench. To have that quality, you could actually have just put all them in. But I think you've got to pick and choose. I, I, I've heard this term used quite a lot for Scott Brown, that he's our holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. And it's something I totally disagree with. And the reason why I disagree with it is I think he's our most deep-lying midfielder. But a holding midfielder, if you're going to go back to how it's used, it was be McAuley and Didier Deschamps, who didn't move and always had their back to the play facing on. They were never in front of the ball. Mm-hmm. Scott Brown still wants to join in. I've heard even yourself, Paul, talking about how much he contributed to the goal at Tannadice. Didier Deschamps and McAuley would never have been involved in that position. So 
I see the team, it's three with two holding midfielders. We don't have a holding midfielder. We have guys who just play deeper line than the other ones. If you're going to do that, that's a totally separate position. And again, a guy made a point last week when I had said I thought Callum McGregor could do it in my team because his positional sense is that good. A guy made a comment on your social media platforms that when Xavi Alonso went into Liverpool, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were saying we're going to work on tackles, and he's like, I don't need to tackle because I'm that good in positions. So I think Callum McGregor could go to that level. So we just need to, it's wee tweaks for the team. Mm-hmm. We've got the ability, we've got the players, it's finding the correct formation and the players to fill that gap. Because even Jamesy, the much maligned James Forrest, I thought he had a poor game last night and everybody raves about Jeremy Frimpong. Jeremy Frimpong looks more exciting than James Forrest. Mm-hmm. Is there any more end product of it, Jeremy Frimpong? That's a great point. And and the reason I say that is we did have quite a lot of con- uh, contribution from Celtic by numbers who were looking at stats. And one of the big things I learned from Alan Morrison was the fact that as football fans who are casually watching a game for entertainment a lot of the time and getting so passionately involved in it, it's sometimes difficult to look at the fact that someone isn't actually contributing that well as a defender or as a forward. And his stats would suggest that Frimpong does things that you remember. But over a 90-minute period or maybe an hour period if he's playing, his contribution isn't as as great as someone like, let's say, James Forrest. And Callum McGregor, I think we've got a, a habit as fans, and I'm not criticising anyone, he's taking a lot of what he does for granted. Because if you then look at the stats, which are a massive part... The stats have always been a big part of football. We maybe didn't focus on them as much, but the stats that uh, you look at Callum McGregor's performances, passes completed, for example, um, are astonishing. But sometimes he does it so consistently that he doesn't stand out. Frimpong does a wee jink and all of a sudden he's had a great game. I'm a massive fan of Callum McGregor. Mm -hmm. I I can't see by him. I think he's the best player at my club. But what what I mean is, and Jeremy Frimpong looks exciting. Mm -hmm. James Forrest last night, by my opinion, had one of his more poor games. When Jeremy Frimpong scored the winner the way James Forrest did last night, I don't think he would. I don't think he would. Mm-hmm. So James Forrest has made a good game, contributes to another really, really important goal to Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's done that so often, hasn't he, James you know, Forrest? We, we go to Ryan Christie and, again, Kevin at the weekend, you know, it's a bad vibe. I, I don't contribute to the thing it's a bad vibe. I think... Ryan Christie hasn't played as well. Last night, first half, he's created two great goals. Mm-hmm. He gets as a penalty. But there was loads of t- times last night, you know, you think you should be much better than that if you're playing for Celtic Football yeah. Club. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to take ourselves as a club to this great, great level. But you can't have that level of performances if you want to get there. And if he has aspirations of going to the English Premier League for one of these multi-million pound moves and getting the riches of the wages, he's going to have to be more consistent and better. Mm-hmm. Within a game, never mind over a season. Um, because as you say there, first half sets up two goals, second half, you know, the balls were all over the place a lot of the time. Steve. First half world beater, second half panel beater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think he does have aspirations. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, again, I don't think, you know, looking at Christie, uh, people are, are looking at him and saying, and again, where is the basis of this? Oh, he's been selfish. He's playing for Ryan Christie. I hear that a hell of a lot about Christie, but he set up two goals and won a penalty last night. So he's done all right for Celtic yes. last night, you know? I, I, I think 
when you're having these conversations that we're having on a show, the underlying thing is that we want what's best for our club and for every player to play how we want them to play. Mm -hmm. But if you're having a show like this, you've got to pick up the bits that's no going. If we're yeah. going to sit here and be psychophants and go, everything's great and we can't criticise anybody, the show's not going to last five minutes. You're right. You're right. You know, you've got, got to deconstruct got to say, it. Oh, yeah. You know, at the end of the last night's performance, you've got the three points and it's magnificent. But you can't come in and go, by the way, see if we play the way you did on Saturday. It's going to be great because you'll lose on Saturday if you mm -hmm. play that same way again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk a wee bit about Livy um, as well. We've been speaking about them during the week uh, as a result of the fact that Anthony Stokes won't be part of the setup this Saturday. Let's have a look at some of the comments. Jimbo2167, bring Paddy home. Uh, whereas Helen McCallum, who is commenting on YouTube, uh, says no, hasn't really done anything since he left Celtic. I think that's the only reason that we are even talking about this because had he gone on, and played the way that we th felt his career was going to um, kind of like materialise, he wouldn't be quoted at Celtic because he came in as this £12 million prodigy and he showed it, first time round particularly, if he went on and continued that performance elsewhere, we wouldn't be talking about Paddy Roberts because we wouldn't be able to purchase him. I think the fact that he's gone away, I'm not going to call him a failure. I mean, he's playing at a level. But he hasn't kicked on the way we expected. That's the reason we're talking about him as a potential signing, Stevie. But if you're talking about going to Norwich and Middlesbrough and Girona and getting less of the ball, they've not got very many creative midfielders. Norwich were constantly defending. Middlesbrough last year when he was there, fighting relegation. Paddy Roberts isn't going to be an asset to them. Mm. If you're playing for Celtic, and probably, and I'm, I'm just going to have a rough guess at this, our average possession in a game at Celtic Park domestically would be between 65 and 70% possession. Paddy Roberts is going to be on the ball so much more. Mm. And we can't forget the way he was getting us off the seats the first time he was at oh, Celtic. Oh, I know. You know, the, it was absolutely brilliant and refreshing to see. And at two million quid, and you've seen all these guys going out during the close season who didn't contribute anything for that sort of money. Paddy Roberts, I think, would be... A no-brainer of that sort of money. If we were linked, we were always looking at you know the speculation um, as part of the morning routine before we even speak on a Celtic state of mind, and we're linked with various players. Celtic will always be linked to a lot of players. I've got to admit, my knowledge of world football is not what it used to be, uh, Stevie. Back when I used to get all the magazines, and there's names appear, and you then have to check out who they are, right? Um, there might be some globally um, brilliant football fans out there who know. I know John Clark was famous for that. He knew everybody uh, worldwide. Um, and he subscribed to World Soccer and all this kind of stuff. So you're looking at an unknown quantity a lot of the time when you see a player who is linked to Celtic and you're looking at them. Are they a player? Are they not? Do they have a good pedigree? We know what Paddy can do. And I think when you're looking at that £2 million figure, we've spent, so, we've spent that so often on players... Some of them have worked, some of them have not. Is it a risk? Well, £2 million is always going to be a risk, but it's a calculated risk. I think for Paddy Roberts, £2 million is a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're saying it's £5 million quid and he wants £40,000 a week, yep. I think maybe if oh, he could maybe do better, you know, that would come in and hit the ground running. I don't think he would be a worry at £2 million quid. No, I, I, I would agree with you. Gary Doonan, who contributes regularly to a Celtic State of Mind, welcome back via Facebook, Gary. He thinks, no, we shouldn't sign him. His time has gone and he seems to get better the longer he is away from us. 
he hardly played in his last season with us, which is now three years ago. But I think it, had he gone on and played and had a bit of form, as you say, we wouldn't be having this conversation because he would be out of the, the realms of Celtic actually buying him. Because I don't think I would spend £5 million on Paddy Roberts at the moment. But if it's a two three million pound deal, then I reckon he would improve the squad. I would then be looking to move on the likes of Tom Rogic. There's got to be... We'll be looking at the Livingston squad on Saturday with interest in relation to Lee Griffiths. If he's not in against Livingston and he's fit, according to Neil Lennon, then I think his cards are marked. But if you're, you're Gary, and Gary makes great points on here. If you're going to spend £2 million on a winger and it's no Paddy Roberts, who would it be that you would trust to come in for £2 million quid and possibly have the same impact as what Paddy would have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we bought or we um, loaned again El Yunusi, a player who, although I've been standing up for him, his consistency levels haven't been great this season, Stevie. He's coming on big wages. There'll be a loan fee to get him back from Southampton, I'm guessing, although that's never been um, confirmed. I'm sure there will be a loan fee. Would, uh, you know, you know, would you have put that money into Paddy Roberts? Would he be sitting on the bench against St Mirren and not getting a game? It's hard to say. You don't know how somebody's form is going to pan out. But I, I see that as much of a risk as bringing El Yunusi back. You know, and probably for the same cost. I think El Yunusi's got a real touch of quality. Just that wee bit of class, like the nutmeg to set up Clamal at the weekend. Mm. If you can do that, then that, that, that's quality. I think the problem that we have at Celtic with Elian is deciding where he's going to play and who's he going to get in front of. Because Neil has said to you before, Neil's one of his greatest attributes and one of the things that trips him up more is, is his loyalty to players. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to be brave sometime and go, listen, He's not one of the regular guys, but I'm going to have to play him in his favourite position at the expense of one of these guys. Because if he sort of just plays to the left-hand side of your centre-forward, I think he's a sensational player. Do you then start linking him up with a Yeti, but one of the regular guys who we would expect in the team has got to drop down to the bench? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised that Yeti was, was on the bench, to be honest with you, because he's one of the guys, Stevie, who... We're trying to get game time into his legs. We're trying to get him right up to speed. So far, he's looked like a quality player. I've seen a few um, Hammers fans on Twitter talking about uh, a wee bit of regret that he's no longer done there. It's great that we've got him in on a permanent deal, but I would have expected, going back to your point that you mentioned there about the defensive partnership, we've been looking for a partner for Edward. I mean, he was a lone striker for a, a huge part of last season. And I think when Griffiths came in, uh, near the, the latter stages of the season it was great for Edward because he needed that partner it then looked as though we found him a, per, a permanent one in Ayeti is he being rested perhaps but I think at this stage when his fitness has been called into question he needs the minutes he came on and it was hard for him to get involved we asked um, our guest James McDonough who's the manager of Edinburgh City and he's done a great job there actually um, about how difficult it would have been for the strikers last night and he says it would have been hell of a difficult because you know we were watching the game and there was absolutely no opportunity for the strikers to get involved I felt that the St Mirren TV team were a bit harsh on Edward they said when he missed the penalty that it summed up his night I seen Edward tracking back to try and get the ball I seen him at left back at one point trying to get involved so I just felt that him and a Yeti, there were signs there that we could get a partnership. I don't see that with him and Klamala. Well, you start Klamala last night, 
and you know how St Mirren's going to line up against you, I would have thought Clamalla's strengths would have been running in behind yeah. defences and pull guys. If they're defending on their own 18-yard box, there's no space. Mm-hmm. So last night, and again, he's only a, a young kid, Clamalla, I didn't see what he contributed to the game and I wouldn't have expected him to contribute with the way we had set up last night and the way I knew St Mirren were going to set up. I really couldn't understand why all these things with Neil. And Neil's forgot more about football than I will ever know. Why you would start Klamala with all the things that he said about he's no fit, he's, we need game time. Mm-hmm. Why would you do it? If you're going to play him, play him on Saturday when you're at home. Yeah. Big, big, wide spaces of Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can run into them. You're not going to be able to do it the last night at St Mirren. I was surprised with the amount of changes and we've had a few comments in um in this broadcast saying there were too many changes. I'm always concerned when you make quite a few like that, Stevie, because it's all about getting into a groove uh, so that, you know, the partnerships that we're speaking about, centre-forward, centre-half, we can start building on them. I did actually get a text message or, or a WhatsApp during the day from a good pal of mine whose name is synonymous with Celtic Football Club telling me what he thought the lineup was going to be. I looked at it and thought, no chance. So when I've gone back to him and says, is this uh, a leak? He says, no, it's just my opinion. He was one player off or one position off. Um, and he had Kamala starting as well, which I never thought was going to happen. Um, I'm not giving the guy a hard time, but when you look at the level of investment that we've made in someone like Patrick Kamala, the Polish paddy, I'd go for the other paddy and bring him in <laughs> for the same price, to be fair. Good, interesting point coming in from Facebook. Paddy Roberts needs a permanent home. His career has been uh, two stop start because of numerous loans. If it's financially viable and he's prepared to work to get back in, there's worse ideas out there. How important is that to a football player? We, we sometimes talk about them as they're just wee objects on a, a chessboard. I mean, sometimes it's all about them feeling like they belong somewhere. We've seen in the past, and you know, some great players having a great career and then go somewhere for a big move and it doesn't work out, and then you go back there and it works great. We guys, is it? Jesus Navas with Seville, mighty man city, mm-hmm. busting a man shot, go back there and he's back to being a sensational footballer again. Sometimes there's clubs that just suit people and sometimes people that just suit clubs. Oh, definitely. And we suit Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure uh, we'll be talking about this until he signs for somebody else, um, which I hope doesn't happen. Now, I got a really great text this morning, right? And I'm no name dropping, right? Um, because John Fallon texted me this morning and said he'd have saved Edward's penalty. Tongue in cheek, I'll be a bit disappointed with the penalty. Normally, Edward's the coolest cucumber in the stadium, but it was quite weak, wasn't it? Well, I heard one of your guests saying last night, you know, of the goalkeeper studied and done his work. All you'd have to do is watch the telly on Saturday. Yeah. He'd have saved that. Just the exact same penalty. He didn't look up as he was going to strike the ball because the goalie's away before he's even kicked it and he could have rolled into the other side. Bit nonchalant. Mm-hmm. bit nonchalant you know when it works it's great doesn't work then you're leaving yourself open to a wee bit of criticism and last night I thought that was the way the penalty was taken it goes in we're sitting here having one three one. it adds a, a a bit of veneer of uh, comfort to the to the actual scoreline though doesn't it if, if you score that third goal I, I don't think that we're that far away from getting a few goals last night mm-hmm. and it makes it but I think as Celtic fans, it's something we'll even say you win 5 nothing at the weekend, we'll pick up a bit. What about that? And I think that's the way your club's always going to get improve yeah. if you challenge things. You know, four changes for the weekend, 
again, I, I'll never speak to no Lennon one-to-one because I'm no anywhere near that sort of level of football. But I would love to know his reasons for making the changes last night. Mm-hmm. I know it's a balance. I mean, again, going back to James McDonough last night, I, I utilised his expertise within, you know, managing a, a league club. And I was asking him questions such as, you know, how difficult is it for a big squad like that to manage? I mean, it must be a difficult, it's a good headache for a manager, of course it is. But I just don't think the answer is, Stevie, making wholesale changes from week to week. Tweak it, you know, gives one or two guys a, a start, but, you know, making wholesale changes. Then there's the formation, the question of formation. And again, James, with his expertise uh, being on the front line uh, within uh, management in football, was speaking about, you know, you can't have that fixed formation. And he was actually pointing out how Celtic were adapting within the game, not from game to game. So when we're attacking, this is how we were shaping up. When we were defending, this is how we were shaping up. And I think Celtic have got the personnel to do that. But we, we interchanged great at Celtic, especially the midfield. But there was occasions last night where Ryan Christie and Callum McGregor on the right-hand side of the park within metres of each other. And it's great, the build-up, one-twos. But there's no... Nobody in the left. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times last night did Shane Duffy attempt to pass the ball to the wee boy Taylor and sail the ball over his head? Yeah. Our distribution last night and passing accuracy was woeful. I'm going to use Kevin's word. Woeful <laughs> at times during that game last night. He looked frustrated every it, time. El Hamid yep. must fucking try to pass the ball to James Forrest four times and kicked it out the park. Now, El Hamid, I know he's a player you rate and I, I rate him highly as well. A couple of times this season, he's been off the pace, hasn't he? I didn't think he was great last night. I think he might be a Enrico Anoni. And any time he went in against like Loudrop in that man of the match, yeah. because he knew he had to concentrate. Going into lesser games, as his concentration level just dropping, but mm. he thinks he's treating them a wee bit contemptuously. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. People are going to think I'm a name dropper here now. <laughs> Anoni. Enrico Anoni um, speaking. Oh, no, 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 no. That's it. That's the boy. That's the boy. Um, I was speaking to him last year. We were in this. We were in this event in Dundee, and we were in this uh, boozer. It can only be described as. And you know, it wasn't the worst pub in the world, but you know, it was. A, it was a boozer, and when I was sitting waiting on Enrico arriving, going to name drop again. I was sitting with Tosh McKinley. Stevie, <laughs> and uh, we're waiting on Enrico arriving, and, and we're getting told by. Uh, the gentleman who is a good pal of mine who's the promoter of this event saying, you know, Enrico doesn't speak great English. I'm thinking, well, we've got a boozer for you, 120 Celtic fans who want to ask him questions here, so this might be interesting. Oh, but he's brought his interpreter. All right, from Italy. So we're sitting, Tosh and I are sitting having a wee chat. Tosh is a great guy. I, I yep. think you would agree with that as well, Stevie. In walks Enrico with this beautiful looking girl from it looks as though she just walked off a Milanese catwalk. It's his daughter, who's the <laughs> who's the interpreter. And, you know, where Tosh and I are sitting, you can actually smell the toilets, right? And the first thing she does is introduce herself. I'm saying, well, where's the toilet? I'm thinking, wow, she's just, you know, in you go, in you go, check it out. Welcome to Dundee. And then she went. Enrico Anoni that night was speaking about how he could turn it on against the lights of Loudrop. And the way he explained it, Stevie, was he played in Serie A, and he played against Maradona, Rutula, Marco Van Basten, Michael Loudrop, because we all know Brian Loudrop was the third best Loudrop in his house after his dad and his brother. 
no disrespect to him because actually I think he was a classy guy. He says, and the man marking was a big part of Italian football. As we know, if you go back to the Catanaccio system of Inter Milan back in 67, defensively they were sound. So he had honed his man marking ability, in his words, against far better players than Loudrup. And when it came to playing Loudrup, he found it easy. Now, no disrespect to Brian Loudrup, but the proof was in the pudding there. He always performed well. But there's Enrico Anoni. And Enrico Anoni loves Celtic, loves motorbikes, and has a beautiful interpreter. There you go. Him turn up at any event. He's welcome back. <laughs> he's welcome back anytime he wants. But that's how he played Loudrup. He says, you know, his standard was there. So when he came up against Loudrup, no problem. And uh, all the laughs were on Tosh McKinley that night, I've got to say. Tosh is a great guy as well. But the, but the Italians brought something t- to this country when they came. You know, they, they, mm. they really had something about them. The Italians that we signed really added to our club. You know, again, their politics later on, you know, are something that you you wouldn't agree with. But player-wise, they certainly added to the club. When you think of that period, not just Celtic, you know, I remember Hearts bringing in um, Bruno and uh, Rangers signed a few Italians as well. And at that time, it shouldn't have been a surprise to us because there's such um, an, an Italian foothold in Glasgow. You know, when you look at Glasgow and you go to the people who have come over generations ago and made Glasgow their home, I think it was good. And we, Jim Watt, your pal, obviously befriended quite a lot of the, I think, yep. a lot of the Celtic and Rangers players, to be fair. But the big thing with the Canio for me was there's always that strange dichotomy between the talent you saw in the park for Celtic and the politics that the man had. Now, that that's always going to be an, an issue for Celtic fans, isn't it? And I would love to ask him someday about his politics. How could someone um, actually believe in what he believes in, in terms of his political ideals, Stevie? I'd love to question him about that. He's, if you think of the player, the Cano was brought in at Napoli to replace Diego Maradona. Mm-hmm. Then we sign him. You know, he, he was an absolute genius. You know, as an interviewer, it would be a great interview. Again, probably Celtic fans would be up in arms. You can't speak to this man, but how do you get to the bottom of it if you don't ask him? I know. You know, if you've got a a free society, which we all wish to live in, then you've got to be allowed to ask these people. You're never going to agree with the things they say, but you need to ask the question. Oh, definitely. You need to ask the question. And I think the, the big problem Celtic have, obviously Celtic as a club would never have anything to do with Paolo Di Canio, but we have already had plenty to do with him. And that was after he had already made his political feelings known. I mean, he came and played in the Tommy Burns game. That was a long time after he'd made his political feelings known. I mean, when we signed him, he had already made his political feelings known as a young player at Lazio. So we, we're already... Unfortunately, he's already part of our history. And I say unfortunately because it doesn't fit our ideals from a, a political standpoint. But, but where do you be allowed to draw the line that you wouldn't sign a player for? Mm. Who makes that decision? Is it somebody that's been an ex-offender who's been rehabilitated? Yeah. You can't sign him because seeing he was younger, wait to tell you what he'd done. And the guy could be one of the greatest talent. Are you going to hold that back? Does the offence come into it? So... so is it a political persuasion? Is it a religious persuasion? Yeah. An ideal? How do Celtic fans get to the decision where 
he's no for our club. Mm-hmm. I think the political thing's massive for Celtic fans, isn't it? I mean, we were talking yesterday to to James McDonough, who's got a player in his team who was infamously um, convicted of uh, the sexual offences when he was at Hearts. He now plays for Edinburgh City. He's a captain. We had Danny Lennon in two weeks ago, who has David Goodwillie and Ali Love in his squad. So clubs can overlook um, indiscretions um, beyond what they've done if they think they're going to get the player. That's what happens. Not all clubs. There's plenty of clubs out there who would look at sponsorship as being an issue because certain sponsors would pull out as soon as you sign someone who's been convicted of specific offences. Celtic fans have got an issue with politics. Of course they do. Uh, because that, for me, the club goes hand in hand with politics. And that's why I always find it interesting when people say, your football and politics don't mix. Well, take the politics away. Would Celtic even be here? I've never asked Celtic fans to take their politics away from the football. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100%. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. But does they sometimes expect their own behaviour, which isn't acceptable all the time, to go with the players or are the players held to a higher account mm-hmm. than what the fans are who are mm-hmm. holding them in that account? Because I've been in loads of occasions where I think, we videoed that and showed that guy how he behaved, especially in some of the away European trips, they would deny it was them. Yeah. You know, but show the players. And again, we, we do hold them to account, but would you stop signing something? What would be the level where you'd stop signing a, a great player for your club because of something that happened off the park? Mm-hmm. The big issue I had with the Decanio thing is I did want to ask him questions and we did have that interview lined up. It didn't happen. Um, it was made public. The reasons that were actually made public weren't accurate as to why it didn't happen, but I can't get into that because there's a legal wrangle around it. But some of the people who are most uh, vehemently um, opposing it and criticising me for agreeing to interview him are 90-minute revolutionaries, Stevie, or Twitter revolutionaries. They don't live their life the way that they um, put themselves out there. So they're, they're going on about a political ideal or a way that we live our day-to-day lives in relation to respecting certain factions of the community. I know for a fact some of the people that were critical of me are not the people that they, you know, propose to be uh, behind this avatar. So you've got to be true to yourself. Why was I prepared to interview Paolo Di Canio? So I could challenge him. So I could challenge him, you know? And I think you've always got to challenge things that you don't agree with, things sometimes that you don't even understand. I can't understand why Paolo Di Canio would have such political ideals. So... Given the opportunity, I would speak to him again. But you had a magnificent interview with John Barnes, yeah. which I listened to intently, and I've re-listened to it two or three times since you've done it. Some of the things that he said, I would never agree with. But some of the things that he said, I did resonate with me. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that you should never have that interview because I disagree with some of his answers. Yeah. Because then you would never get his point of view, and maybe for his point of view, it was to make it a discussion point. Mm-hmm. Because... You're now even before the games and you're seeing the things with Black Lives Matter. Now, I've spoken to loads of people who I really like who totally disagree with that movement. But I can't change their mind or try and convince them otherwise. Racism's wrong in any shape or form, but how long are we going to continue with that? Because there's loads of things happening in the world that we don't take action about. So you can go into debates and political debates and what's right and what's wrong you're blue in the face mm-hmm. but we can't always be the moral guardians of the world one thing about the John Barnes interview what happens in this this 
environment, Stevie, is you and I are putting ourselves up or next on the chopping block. If we say something that people disagree with, we can be criticised. It's going to happen. We can be criticised by the Celtic fans tuning in. I'm happy with that. Absolutely happy to deal with any engagement. People disagree with me. You also find yourself on Rangers forums getting completely obliterated. And again, I don't check them, but I've been told and I wouldn't go into them. But the thing with the John Barnes um, interview, it was a challenging interview, to be fair, but... Just to, to give you a wee bit more of a kind of light-hearted nature to that particular story, we're talking about unconscious bias for 90 minutes, or for maybe an hour, and then the Celtic stuff happened at the end, which I found really interesting. Unconscious bias. And at that time, I, and still am, obviously, um, in touch with uh, Saul Davis from James, and we were talking about a few things that, that Saul's doing from an anti-discrimination perspective, you know, through music and that. And uh, he had asked me to pitch the idea to John, to John Barnes because he knew I was interviewing him the following week so after the, the um, interview was finished I'm chatting to John and I say I'm trying to introduce the idea of James the band James to John Barnes and it's quite clear he's got no idea who James are and I'm saying you know they, they had a massive hit with Sit Down back in the 90s and nah no my type of music Paul um, I'm more into Dr Dre and I said oh, so am I The Chronic's a great album and he raised his eyebrows as if to say oh I'm surprised at that <laughs> We've just been talking about unconscious bias. Does that mean I can't listen to Dre? So that was that was the funny side of it. What I found after that was I had a lot of people saying to me, listen, see, during it, I disagreed with John Barnes, but see, now that I've thought about what he's been saying, a lot of it, it's made me question my perception of certain people, certain environments, certain situations. Now, if that was John's intention by speaking to me, I think it's worth it. An absolute treat. I think there's... <clears throat> Excuse me. There's people of a certain generation. My generation's one of them. That because of the the way we were brought up, and the environment we were brought up, we would probably most of us have that. Most of us have used some derogatory terms, which would be derogatory now, mm. but they were part and parcel of your everyday life and upbringing. When you know that a local Asian shop and how it was described, you know, and the the gentleman who was in our shop, we referred to him as Peter. There's probably never been a Muslim called Peter in his life, but that was a sort of a term endearment mm-hmm. from the community to this guy. But now it would be totally unacceptable. So if you're coming through that, there probably is an unconscious bias somewhere mm-hmm. that, you, that you're not aware of until it manifests itself. But then, you know, people can educate, people can learn, people can unlearn, but sometimes it's more important than learning, Stevie. And I think that if you do come from a generation, um, like my my parents' generation and their parents' generation, they are entering a, a different type of world now, and it's fine to relearn and unlearn what was previously acceptable. Actually, it was never acceptable; it just it went unchallenged before, didn't it? And now we're we're opening people's eyes and minds up to a different way um, to look at this. But I, the John Barnes interview was probably controversial to a degree. There was a part in it. There was a part in that interview because it didn't go out live, although John wanted it to go out live. We renamed a few people and he said a few things that were very controversial and he decided at the end, end of the interview to remove it. Now, that would have made it even more controversial, right? I had to uh, obviously obey that and I had to respect his wishes. But people need to realise that it's easy for then, after the band's interview, to come out, other people to attach themselves to that story and say, I'll give you the true story. Barnes was respectful enough 
to tone down a few points that he made during that interview about his time at Celtic. The, the bit that disappointed me from his point of view was I've got good friends in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And when John Barnes signed for Liverpool, the racism directed towards James or John Barnes from the cop was incredible. Yeah. But he still doesn't bring that up. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole the cop was daubed with racist chants. Yeah. You know, six feet wide paintings. You know, how does he not bring that out? Why was it only against Celtic? You know, and again, you can get his managerial capabilities, which is a different subject. He was rotten. You know, as it's proven everywhere else he went, you know, and they give GoBrot up, you know, he's in charge of Jamaica. Surely be the unconscious bias there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a, if you accept the honour, in inverted commas, to become a member of the British Empire, yeah. then let's look at what the British Empire has done in relation to their own issues with race over the years. Stevie, and that, that's a big talking point as well. That's a podcast in itself. And believe it or not, and I'm going to announce it here, I've been approached by someone who's making a documentary and asked if I would do that with John Barnes. So there might be a second round on that interview, Stevie. I think, I think it would be great, Paul. I said before, I'm, I'm never blowing smoke up your jacksie, but I think you're the ideal guy to do it mm. because you've got a real calm demeanour about you and you continue to flow these discussions. So if you get offered it, do it. Now, everybody who's joined us, thank you again for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. We'll be back again at 12.30 tomorrow. The only thing that's left for me to say is Stevie Mullen. Thank you very much for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you, Paul. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.